0: Welcome to the Summer Series of Politics and Psychology, where every Sunday we'll have special episodes of interesting interviews and fun conversations. Today we have my interview on the In The Cut Global Podcast, where I was interviewed by Raul, based in South Central California, and we're talking about everything from participation trophies to the process of trauma and grief, how to make friends as an introvert or a military dependent, and even what is it like to date a feminist? So be sure to stay tuned.
1: I think for a lot of people, especially myself, when I was first going into college, it's like, you're undecided, right? Like for the most part, yeah. it's like, you know, you see a lot of subjects and it's like, Oh, well that one looks good. Cause they pay good. And it's like, that yeah. one's, that, you know, that one's cool. Cause whatever, you know, or, or that one, you know, it's like, there's a lot of, you know, that like trying to figure out where you place. And, um, and you know and you kind of mentioned that yourself you know going through business then switching to psychology mm-hmm. how was that feeling out process for you and and what and what because i think sometimes uh we get into situations and then we feel stuck you know but obviously right. you were able to make that jump where where you were like okay well it's all right i gotta restart but i'm gonna restart with the new thing and, and that's fine and it's like but but what do you think allowed that mentality because i think a lot of people sometimes they get stuck in one career path and then they kind of get in that mentality of, Oh, well now I can't change. Right, um, what, right. What gave you that kind of push or what was it? Do you think?
0: Well, I always, I just never felt like this is it.
1: Oh, okay. This is where you can
0: stop. And, you know, it didn't hurt that I love going to school and I, and I was, you know, smart. So I would, I would have a lot of scholarships. So, but I still kept feeling like, okay, well, I don't feel like this is it. Even after I finished my my last degree, I never felt like, okay, yes, this is what I'm going to do. I still felt like, no, this is just not it. And, you know, I, I do believe in God. I'm a Christian. So I would always pray like, okay, well, God, what's the best and what's the highest use of the gifts? And I have a lot of gifts and I don't mind working very hard, but what I'm doing now, it's helping a lot of people, but I don't feel like this is it. So I think if I would have felt like I'm okay with this and this is good enough and I'm happy and, um, and I, I wouldn't feel like I was missing out on helping some person 10 years from now who was waiting for me to follow my you know, purpose or assignment, then I would have been okay because I, I was making a lot of money. But I just never felt like, I felt like I was being a sellout. Like, okay, well, yeah, you have this check and you have this title for this hospital, but you hate going to your job every Monday and you're calling out every Friday. You're about to get fired. And so I was just like, okay, I just can't live my life like this. Right.
1: But I'm inspired by your journey. You know, you, you, you're you able to make choices. You're able to stay on top of it. And I wanna ask, uh, did you have mentors along the way? Was it important for you to look for people that you could confide in, people that you could ask questions to? So how important was that?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think that that's why I made a lot of mistakes because I didn't have anybody. It was just me thinking I knew what I was doing and learning the hard way a lot of times. And so I ended up having, you know, maybe like biblical characters as mentors and role models. Like if they did it, if they figured it out, then I guess I can do that. And I can figure out how to do it, you know, the same way. But I, I would have people who might've had like a piece of what I wanted um, like, for example, my, my goal was to be like um, a combination of Dr. Oz and Dr. Sanjay Gupta mm-hmm. um, being like the brand on TV, but the science behind what's, you know, motivating society in the news. And, and I also was adding in, okay, I could also be like Oprah Winfrey and Martha Stewart. <laughs> so it's kind of like it's pulled from different people. Uh, what do you do? Well, what do, what do I want to do for that one part of it? How can I use them as, as you know, my imaginary mentor, but just kind of like following their history and what could I learn from them? But what do I also want to do differently?
1: Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, um, that's a good lesson for people today is to kind of like, don't, you know, you like the information is there on the internet. You could just go get it. Yeah. So it's like g- knowing what you want definitely is gonna help it in that way too. It's like all right, well, you know, creating your own role models, finding, learning from other people's mistakes, which is valuable, mm-hmm. you know. And then yeah. the biblical characters—that's interesting, you know, because I mean, storyteller, storytelling. Excuse me—is so central to what we are as humans, you know, the way we mm-hmm. pass down our knowledge, things like that. So finding yourself in characters—I think well, what was it? Was it circumstantially? Was it, or was it like situations where you're looking for verses in the Bible where you're like okay, this is exactly what I'm going through. What's the, what's the scripture here? Right. Well, was it? Was right. Well, go?
0: my father, um, my father was like a deacon and you know the director of deacons or whatever, wherever we went, cause he was in the military. We, you know, he was always involved in church. We were always involved in church. My father's side, the family is, you know, deeply involved, you know, in church and relationship with, you know, Jesus. Yeah. And so that was just something that it just was. And so, of course, that means you go to church, you go to Sunday school, Bible study. So you're hearing stories all the time. And I remember um, I would always dream a lot when I was younger. I would say, oh, you know, I had a dream about this. And they were so long in detail. My dad would start saying, okay, Martin Luther King, you know, okay, Martina. (laughs) (laughs) Sit down, Martina Luther. But I would always have such dreams. And since no one understood what I was talking about, I I know I'm not weird. So, Mm. like... And then we're in church and i was like, okay, well, Joseph had a whole lot of dreams and um, Daniel had a whole lot of dreams. And so those people came kind of like my younger mentors, like uh, having dreams and recognizing that those have, you know, motivation for you. And then, of course, as I got older and I got into this sphere of politics and I recognized, oh, wow, they also did stuff in politics, too. Mm-hmm. So, it ended up kind of like working together, but just listening, okay, well, they went through this, and they went through this long journey, and they didn't know why, and it was difficult, no one believed in them, or they were forced to go into this land, but they still were excellent in what they did, but I think it was just being a child and hearing about dreams, and how that dream gave me the connection to those characters, and there was also one, the Queen of Shiva. And I just liked her because she just sounded so exotic and sexy. And I just always thought I was exotic and sexy. So
1: yeah, I I think that's so important for people to, to find themselves in stories, find yourself in art and poetry. You know, we get, uh, I think the ego will stop you from your pride. Your ego will stop you from being silly in that way. Like you gotta be kind of, you know, fun with it. You gotta enjoy life, you know? Yeah. And and I think, I think the, the definitely the scriptures you know i mean there's just i mean people you know the bible is not a, a book it's not it has so many books of just you know testimonies and stories and you know how the israelites came out of slavery in egypt i mean it's just so many stories right. and, and trials and tribulations and, and you know and i think that it's it's you know it's like re- it's like reading any book you know you read a uh, mm-hmm. catcher in the rye or something like that and you you know you identify with the characters you know i think it's important to remember because you know and, you know, you mentioned dreams as well, which is something, you know, Sigmund Freud, uh, spoke a lot about, which is, you know, the importance of dreams, how to interpret mm-hmm.
0: those. We were in the military. So I didn't really have any friends for longer than four years. Oh, okay. So when we're friends, we're friends, but then, you know, I had to get on a plane and move. So I don't really have that, you know, the yeah, the opportunity of being able to say like, oh, this is my best friend since I was three. Like, I don't know anyone other than my family that I've known for that long.
1: Right. No, I feel you. I feel you on that one. Um, <laughs> it's crazy. Cause I have a similar upbringing and, and what I find is that it makes me reluctant to make friends. Like, I don't mm-hmm. see, like, I, I mean, I don't know if you can share this sentiment, but the idea of like, mm-hmm. I already know we're not going to be friends forever. So I try not to invest too much in the friendship to begin with. Yeah. I don't like that mentality. I don't know if it's good or bad, but I think, yeah. Well, well just, you
0: seem more introverted than I am.
1: I'm, I'm a little bit more extroverted.
0: Right, right. I might be. So I, I don't, that never bothered me. Um, my sister is more introverted, so she would have, like, one or two friends, yeah. Where I, was, I would have a lot of friends and a lot of associates mm. because, you know, again, I'm a nerd, so I was always in student government and the acting clubs. So I was always busy, and I think that if there is someone who has a hard time making friends, if you just join an activity or a club, that can kind of, like, force those relationships.
1: Mm. But, uh. Yeah. Okay, so so we're getting into again. So you're moving through. You go through your your academic journey.
0: Mm-hmm. We're
1: finding you. You find business. You you do you do you think business gave you that edge that that sharp edge that you needed in terms of the competitive spirit?
0: No, I was always competitive. Hmm. Yeah, always competitive. Always very high achieving. Always wanting. It to be the best. I didn't want an A, I didn't want an A plus. I wanted an O for outstanding. <laughs> I really, I just really wanted to just be the best, except for math. I was just, let me just pass this class. That's all I care about. Yeah. But everything else, I was definitely very, um, very high achievement oriented. And I also like to actually do the work to excel.
1: Right. Did you enjoy that? that- the reward system, you know, would you prefer to just have a task and a reward? Are you that type of person? You just rather? Alright, this is what I got to do. I want to have my mm-hmm. prize versus like scale, like, you know, today, it's kind of like the, the participation trophy generation, you know? Oh, no, I'm everybody. completely
0: against that. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah because that sure.
0: doesn't teach anyone responsibility it doesn't teach you in real life that you're not going to always win. It's not going to teach you that when you fail, like I've done so many times, despite being a high achiever and a high worker, if you feel like, oh, I'm just supposed to win, you don't appreciate the value of working hard and the reward of, of getting something. And, and then you don't also have the recognition and, the, and the, the beauty of an experience of recognizing why I worked for it and it finally paid off. Mm-hmm. Or I know that, that I've tried all these different things, but right. this was the one thing that I did well and I love. And I think that, you know, going back to our purpose conversation, if you just think you're going to get a gold star just because you're sitting around, then what's the motivation for you to do better?
1: Right, right. Uh, so right there, we're kind of getting into, I guess, like the meat and potatoes of the conversation, you know, what we're going to be talking about, which is the issues in society. Again, you know, that that being kind of one of, well, it is one of them. Definitely it's one of the most, I think the most detrimental practices is this idea of, you know, it's uh, and this is the conversation, right? It's like you know, mm-hmm. the the idea becomes, as they say, uh, equity of of opportunity versus equity of outcome. You know, which is outcome. Equity of outcome is the participation trophy thing. You know, where right. it's like we all win just because, right? Uh, you know, versus you know, which to me does and as you say to you, doesn't make much sense. But but you know, I understand everybody gets a chance to compete, but saying that everybody wins just because we need winners doesn't really make sense, you know, because winning itself is, as you mentioned, a very purpose driven. It's, it's the fact that there's a competition that makes the win so sweet, you know, right. it's like, that, that's kind of what, what creates the, so there's one example, but I want to know, you know, you being somebody who studies this, somebody who spoke about this, somebody who's gone through it yourself, uh, what would you say is some of the things that you noticed today that, that stand out to you the most in terms of, uh, practices that maybe aren't helpful for society. I know it's kind of general, but
0: yeah, that's okay. Um, I think that, um, one of the main practices is, um, society is getting into the, the fear of offending anyone. And by the fear of offending or being canceled, then people are not really saying the truth and therefore people don't understand the truth about themselves. They also create an actual system of inequity and inequality because you're saying that we're all the same. We're not all the same. Someone's gonna be more handsome, someone's gonna be prettier, someone's gonna be faster or smarter, but you could always be that in another group of people. And I think that by trying to say that we're all the same, you take away the beauty of everyone having individuality and you take away them being able to experience mastery. And that's part of psychology. Can you help a client master their sense of self? Can you help them achieve self-actualization, their highest version of themselves and sense of fulfillment? And they're going to never have a sense of happiness or peace if they feel as if, well, I don't have to actualize or achieve because I'm already excellent where I am. And I think that you steal so much from someone when you tell them, oh, no, you're just a winner just because. And I won't say anything that's going to offend you which means that I can't help you get better. I can't help you improve because I'm so afraid of you being mean to me or sending a tweet out about me or quote unquote canceling me that I would rather be selfish and focus on not hurting your feelings to save my own name or job or you not rejecting me. So that's one. And I also think this idea that everyone hates me if they don't agree with me. And that's not true. It's just a disagreement, and people are so easily throwing around phobia or phobic, and you know psychologically, a phobia is a very intense and irrational fear about something or someone, and has you know actual physiological components along with cognitive or psychological. And it's not just oh okay, well if you don't like chocolate, then you're a chocolate phobe. No, maybe I have lactose intolerance or something. Like you know, I think that we can get away from that. Then you can stop having such extreme labels on people and there's a lot of people to have disagreement without then reinforcing someone else's sense of entitlement because they were told that we can never be offended
1: right and um so those are two very very prevalent examples definitely today in the media I think I think the media Mm -hmm. plays a big part in babysitting these those with that ideology along with politicians they also play into the ideology for pandering reasons obviously they want votes they're going to play into that
0: they're going right. to play
1: into it and people are going to fall for it they're going right. to think oh it means they care about me no, no no it means they want your vote that's all that's it means. Fine. uh uh that's all it means it's really nothing not deeper than that and you know and i think it is a, an awareness issue definitely but also you know you you mentioned there the hijack terminology which is something that has happened today it's like it's like I think we need to open a dictionary again and, and all oh, go through goodness, the yes. We need to go through the words together, define them mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and not misuse them. Because it's like that's what it is. It's like and these are scary words that they throw around. When you call somebody exactly. homophobic, that's that's not a joke. That's that's like right. you know, that's like that's a real person. There's somebody out there who would seriously do harm to somebody mm-hmm. just for their orientation. And it's like for you to conflate that with people who wanna have a debate about psychology, that's two different things, you know? And I think that becomes detrimental as we mentioned, as the quote said in the beginning, right? It's like not accepting the truth is a way to be fooled, to reject the Mm -hmm. truth is a way to be fooled. And you being a psychologist, I would like to know for those, you know, what happens to a person who's constantly being lied to and and being comforted? Mm -hmm. Like, what does that do to your psychology?
0: Well, you become infantized, meaning that you never get a chance to grow up because you're so busy being coddled. And when you're being coddled, you're spoiled, you're weak physically and psychologically. You're also weak socially because you don't know how to truly navigate and go against the tide. You don't know how to navigate someone saying no to you. You don't know how to navigate someone saying something that you don't agree with. And so it makes you very much like an infant in your um, psychological development. You also will not be a good person to date or marry because you only want to have things your way all the time, and you won't have sympathy or empathy for anyone else, and you would definitely be a horrible parent, because being a parent is all about being offended and having to, you know, have constraints and being told maybe mean things from your child or having to deal with a child who is not as comfortable as you may have been. Um, Having so much coddling, it makes it a detriment to society, because then society then has a group of over entitled very selfish and self-focused individuals who don't give to that society but more just take and take and take
1: that's that's the core detriment of our entire society is based on that fundamental truth the fact that people want to alter reality to their liking Mm -hmm. because they've been coddled as you mentioned right it's like Mm -hmm. you know i i mean i'm not proud to say but i grew up when people said some really mean things and it's like thankfully that I was <laughs> raised in that way because then it's like now it doesn't really mean nothing to me because I understand that words are just words and it's like the reality is the reality you know versus now where it's like things aren't even that bad but people are making it this huge like oh everybody's misogynistic everybody's this right. everybody's the oppressor if you don't if you don't play into our <laughs> agenda then then you're you're a fascist or something right. like that, or something, right. which is crazy it's like you know it's like obviously you know people just think for themselves so how could it possibly be Fascists to have an idea you know which doesn't even make sense and so that's because people are
0: not thinking for themselves
1: they're letting other people
0: tell them what to think and the message is right. you are entitled to your opinion and we're going to tell you what your opinion is wow. your opinion is you need to hate everyone who doesn't agree with us and you need to love everyone who does and so they create this dichotomy of you're either for us or against us And anyone who offends you or doesn't like you in any way must be hated. And so by having that, the reason why it's becoming so mainstream and so popular is because that everyone is buying, well, not everyone, but many are buying into the lie that you must be comfortable and happy and popular and the most attentive attention paid to you at all times. And if you don't, then your rights are being uh, infringed upon. And, you're, and they don't recognize that they're being manipulated, as you said, from political messaging and from different groups wanting to either get your vote or just get your mind, and they're using that to control you by telling you, you need to have everything that you want, we're going to tell you what you want, and if they don't go with what we're telling you to say that you need, that you want, then that means that they're against us, and therefore, if they're against us, that we have to be against them, and that's the basis of so much political and social division.
1: Right, it's definitely like, again it seems to be like that's like that's like the line in, in mm-hmm. the sand in terms of everything right like uh, economics even like you know recently we saw the target thing go up you know and, yeah. and and then it's like you know that's obviously a touchy subject that's obviously toting the line there you know where it's like okay how willing are you to put or play into the ideology for what like you know i mean corporate that's the thing about corporations they're only they're only motivated by greed you know it's like it's only money that motivates them you know right and then you read like i was reading the article and i see that you know the the market for the lgbt uh, community has uh uh or excuse me in just in america they have about a trillion dollars spending power just in america you know so obviously i mean you're a corporation you see that and just dollar signs in your eyes you know your tongue sticking out you're like oh i want those trillion Mm -hmm. dollars i'm gonna do what i need to do to get their support you know to get their money into my pocket which again i think is an awareness issue you know people aren't even aware of Mm -hmm. like the the way the market works the way corporations work they think oh target's backing us up that means something good no no target's a corporation that just wants money they're gonna do whatever they're not they're not the you know they're not the guys you want to look for when it comes to Who's, who's making the most, you know, kind of righteous right. decision. In other right. Ways. And I think that has to do with how we pick our role models as well uh, mm-hmm. or how we pick our leaders. I think what we have today is definitely a lack of leadership, a lack of thinkers, free thinkers. You know, as you mentioned, a lot of the thinkers, a lot of the leaders are hijacked because they, you know, uh, especially in today's influencer culture with social media, I think that it's it's almost vital for people to, to get on top of and control those people as soon as possible because they hold so much influence. It's like, well, if they get on the wrong side, then it's like it becomes detrimental, right? And then you see like these artists, these hip hop artists, all, you know, being used as puppets to capture the younger audience. You that's know, and, they, right. and they fall right for it because you know they just get millions of dollars they don't care they're like oh millions of dollars i go to the democratic right. republic the, the democratic convention perform mm-hmm. sure i'll make the money and then they don't even understand that they're manipulating millions of americans into voting right for, that's right for, yeah and again they think it's a lack of awareness issue you know it's just crazy to think that that you know nowadays it's become such an ideological uh manipulation thing where it's like you know like i mentioned kids are being to refer to the quote, they're being convinced to believe things that aren't true, That's right. and then you have this un- fundamental undoing that needs to be done later in life because it's like, okay, well, what you've been taught is not, it's true to the point, but then there's also this other whole half of the truth. Yeah. So what do you think? What effect do you well, think is the Well, I think there's,
0: happening? I think that by teachers and school systems, one, as far as trying to, I'm, I'm very much into science and truth. And, um, if you're trying to tell a child biologically that they are, they're born a boy, but you can change your gender. I think that by you lying to them about basic science, that at their core identity of who they are, if they don't even know who they are physically or psychologically, that's going to make them doubt everything else that comes along with their life. Mm-hmm. When you tell a child that it's okay to be, um, to be sexual and to listen to sexual music, then they're doing that because it's promoting sales, it's promoting the artist. But what it's really promoting on a societal level is making it okay for children to have sex. Yeah. If we say that children can be sexual and enjoy and can enjoy sex, it then gives way for pedophilia being normalized. And so I think that by you lying to a child by saying know you can't drive or even know how to brush your teeth correctly, but we, you can completely believe that you're something different from what you biologically are. And you also can embrace your sexuality before you even go into puberty. That's pretty much a social grooming for making them, you know, become victims later on. And then again, if you don't know who you are, that's going to create depression, anxiety, and even more suicide because if you're constantly feeling like, like, I don't think that this is who I am or how I should be and what should I trust and who should I not trust. And so it's very complicated, but people are so busy focusing on government funding or following the status quo, or they're focusing on, I call it selfish preservation, meaning I'm, I'm going to lie to a child so I can keep my job. Or I'm going to lie to my newscast or my news media, or I'm even going to alter um, scientific journals or history books so that I can stay, you know, going along and and getting along. And I think that that does a disservice because that just shows that you're more selfish than you are concerned about really helping and being a benefit to society.
1: Right. And I think it creates like an egocentric view of the world where it's like, you know, if if your entire your entire philosophy of life is is what you think you are like which is like that's a journey in itself right is the actualization of the self that's life journey you know some of right. some people make it some people don't some people go through things but it's like when when that's your whole thing and then it's like mm-hmm. not only that but then it's like it's also you need to call me what i say i am it's right. like that's the right. ego trip that's just the, the biggest ego trip in the world because then it's like everything that's so conscious and personal to you becomes what you want to project into the world. And it's like, you know, that's just not reality. Reality doesn't work that way. It's like your imagination and your, 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 you know, your thought, your brain, your whole consciousness is a calculation mechanism. It's not, you know, that's what tyrants do. Tyrants come up with ideas and then they impose it on people, That's right. which is what's going on. You know, it's like, it seems to be, uh, totalitarian behavior masked as social justice, which is insanity. And right. then it's it's like it becomes, you know, as uh, Malcolm X said, you know, for anything. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, we have... Mm-hmm. But I want to know, what do you think the future looks like? If you had to guess.
0: Well, I think that... I think that the future will have to be decided by people who are going to be courageous to speak what the truth is. I think that for our society to evolve to our highest level of quality and who we could be as individuals, how we in America can then be a great nation and example for others. We have to be able to have those people who are courageous enough to say what the truth is and to go against the lie machine. To go against misinformation and to recognize that I'm not going to sell my soul because it was easier to just go along and to be popular and to be liked, but then hating myself when I have to go to sleep at night. Or when I look back and my children are asking me, well, What did you do? Was, oh, well, I just kept up the lie.
1: Can you explain, kind of like the function that trauma serves psychologically and also the process of trauma, grieving, and what that is back and forth? Okay.
0: So whenever a person has a trauma, it's, it's considered for it to be a true trauma, not on traumatized. They didn't have my mocha frappe today. But a true trauma is where someone had a, um, a situation in their life where they either thought they were going to die or it was very harmful to them or it was so invasive and shocking that they were not able to handle it. And they went into an extreme state of like shock. And their mind's way of coping what, with it was to, is to shut down and to either have a high level of depression or a high level of anxiety. So PTSD is an anxiety disorder. It's a trauma disorder. So it's post-trauma, meaning I saw something very horrible, like I've killed someone in wartime, or I saw my mother raped in front of me, or I was coming across the border and I saw everyone killed except for me. And I thought my life was in danger. Or I was at ground zero for 9-11 and I witnessed death and it was horrible and I can still smell it to this day. And so a very horrible thing happened that was so tragic and so all-consuming for your mind, your body, and even your senses that you shut down and that whenever you have a trigger, meaning, okay, so let me give you an example for a rape trauma, because I had a client that had this happen. It was raped by a person who must have just brushed his teeth and used scope, mouthwash. And so for years, she could never brush her teeth because it reminded her of being severely raped, very abusive and violent type of rape. And so his breath and her face was all that she could smell so that she also, so then she developed rotten teeth and all that because of that. And so that's when you had a very traumatic situation, which was a, um, a horrific rape tied to an environmental clue, such as toothpaste, and if it was in the alley of 7-Eleven, so now the colors red and green are triggers for her. So whenever you're actually experiencing a trauma, something very horrible happened to you that your mind and your senses in your body cannot handle unless you have counseling for it. And so because it's not handled or not effectively treated, then you have constant triggers that remind you of what you're trying to repress in your memory. And when you can't do it, then you have overeating, over-drinking, over-sexing, smoking, whatever, overworking to try to block out that memory that you cannot get away from. So you have intrusive thoughts, meaning thoughts come to you, smells come to you, um, images come to you that you can't stop from happening. And then you can have mild, moderate, or severe levels of trauma Mild meaning the person is able to function, that will take a veteran, he was able to function after the war, he can go to work, that's mild. But he might come home and have depression every six months for a whole month at a time. You can have moderate, well, the person can work a part-time job, but it's very hostile and very aggressive because they're always frustrated and on edge and they're agitated. Or you can have severe, where the person is so debilitated and they're so constantly anxious or depressed that they can't go anywhere or really do anything. So that's what trauma is. You're experiencing the real possibility of your life being threatened. You actually um, saw someone being killed in a horrific way or someone that you love being killed, or you were exposed to something that was very traumatic to your body or to your mind, like abuse, physical, sexual, or mental. So you can experience trauma just by seeing suddenly um, a dead body of a child so if you can see a dead body of an adult you're less likely to have trauma than if you saw the dead body of a child because your mind is not expecting to see a child dead mm-hmm. you expect to see older people die and so those are ways that you can elicit and experience trauma and then if you had the grief then you can have different stages of grief but they all kind of overlap at different times and grief is when you are mourning the loss of a life your own, a loved one, you're mourning the loss of something that might have happened that was very dear to you, a cat. And so you're thinking about, I lost this thing. I lost the career I thought I was going to have. I lost my loved one. Or I'm mourning that I have a diagnosis of that's fatal, so I'm worried about that as well. And I'm grieving what I thought I was going to have. And so then you're constantly thinking about it. You may try to get over it by doing different things. But actually, it it, it really is true that time will only heal grief, but if you accept that there is still beauty left. So if you have an anniversary of something, so this if we say it's 4th of July and someone died tragically on 4th of July, so you can estimate that at least one year you may have a harder instance of grief because you don't have any other memories until next July of of that person not being there. So if it comes again to now it's school time. Oh, last September, we did this with so-and-so. Then it's Thanksgiving or Hanukkah. Oh, last Thanksgiving and Hanukkah, we did this. And it would, that person was here. So once you get to a whole new year, that second year, you can you can say, oh, okay, that person wasn't with us. So you can heal more as time goes on and you can replace new memories.
1: Well for men who actually want to understand women that's frustrating because it's like you're you're it's like well I want to love a woman one day I want to have a wife I want to have kids you know mm-hmm. and it's like the last thing I want to feel like is that you know I'm being this you know oppressor sexual bad, oppressor yeah. yeah like towards but, a woman you know and but I,
0: women have to also be responsible for their decisions and the men that they choose if yeah. you're going after a man who you know is a playboy and you think you're going to be the one and change him from his hoey ways, Mm -hmm. then you're misleading yourself. And if you see that you have a pattern of choosing guys that only want sex from you, is it because you are selling yourself as I'm only worthy of being a sex tool? And so if you repeatedly have instances or repeatedly have relationship patterns where your men are not good guys, there's a responsibility that you have to take on well, what am I doing to either attract, or to really like this kind of person?
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think that's important. And you know, that's a great point as well as the is the patterns within dating. And and this, you know, this very strange, like misalignment between that outcome, you know, it's like, I act one way, but I expect one outcome and then that becomes the kind of the social norm and i think that's why it's important because i think we we should kind of make an effort to rebuild those relationships between men and women because i think it's becoming detrimental to society you know there's a lot of uh young men that are going through you know uh again being demonized when they're not that you know there's a lot of guys that are that that are just going under the radar because all of them are being we're all being categorized as this so the ones that actually are just going to fly under the radar because They're just gonna blend in. Like
0: the good guys will get yeah blamed.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, (laughs) you know, it's like you can't even go out, and and you know. Look at a woman for too long without feeling like, oh wait, am I inviting? Am I invading your space? You know, am I? I'm trying to get eye contact, but I don't know if that's gonna make her feel uncomfortable Like, you know, if I right. smile at her, is she gonna think I'm creep. I'm a creep. Like, you know, and it's like yeah. that. That's just a terrible. That's a terrible mindset well, when it comes to things like dating. Yeah, I think
0: that you like should this. be yourself, and yeah. you seem like a nice guy, Raúl. I think you seem like you'd be that respectful right. person. Thank but you. if we look at the, the psychological development of men versus women when it's not until a female is 28 and a male 32 that they're at their highest level of decision making ability so just biologically and anatomy their brain aren't their brains are not even ready and their personalities are not really formed yet so if a woman is 26 as you are saying, then she probably would be better off dating a guy who was 29 or 30 or higher because she's looking for something different than what a male may be able to give her. She also has to recognize that when a guy tells you he doesn't want to get married, he's just having fun, then you have to believe him when he says he's only here to have fun. And don't think that, okay, well, he's bad because I I know he said that, but now I really thought I could change his mind if I gave him the greatest oral sex ever and it didn't work, so he just used me. No, you didn't listen to what he told you and you wanted to hear and believe what you wanted to hear and believe and because of that and you're also maybe attracted to you know guys who don't have honorable attentions and so then you overlook the guys who would be good for you who are your age bracket
1: i want to know your opinion here because i see this conversation often online and well usually it's among females or women excuse me and it's Mm -hmm. like uh they'll like you know there'll be a woman who will say like oh uh i want to get married or something and then it's like for some reason, women attack other women that say things like that. And I want to know, what, married, what, do think, yeah. what do you think that not, not just that, you know, obviously that's being general, but like, if a woman says like, Oh, I want to be a wife to a man one day, it's like now society, like uh, the majority of women will be like, Oh, you're being a pick me. Oh, you're being this. Oh, you, you're, you you're, you're falling into the patriarchy. Oh, this and that. Mm-hmm. And I want to know because it, i it, it's fascinating to me. And, 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 you know, obviously I have no dog in the fight. Besides I hope your wife <laughs> isn't like some man hating woman, you know, hopefully not, but you know, it's like, you know, I wonder what that is. What do you think that, do you think it's, it's the acknowledgement that it is true? And they just want to kind of reject the reality that they do kind of are aware of the fact that they probably aren't meeting the standard for a wife or something like that. Or like, cause I think mm-hmm. it's, it's like that for men for sure.
0: Well, I did do an episode um, on my podcast. It was called toxic feminism, right? also our trad, another one was, our trad wives dumb? And what it talks about is that when society is pressing females to be completely independent, I don't need a man, then what that does is creates a sense of when they're encouraged to not have healthy male-female relationships and to just discard a man or to think that I can just have sex with anyone for my own personal pleasure and I can just go on about my business And I can wait until the last year is possible to try to have a baby. So I think that with toxic feminism, it takes away the beauty of being able to, women have equal rights, and it makes it more where we're now having all the rights and men have no right to say anything or do anything. And we don't even need you other than for your sperm. And so I think women embrace that because society is pushing it. It's because they themselves are already wanting to have a sense of control in their lives or they're being easily misled with misinformation.
1: And can you share with us the first time in your life that you ever felt accomplished? The first time you ever felt like I did it.
0: Hmm.
1: We always get good stories on these. On this one, yeah.
0: Um, I guess I would have to say I would have to probably say you know which is very recent when I started the podcast last year, Politics and Psychology. Mm -hmm. And I say that because although I um, am a high achiever and do a lot of things that other people would think would be great, like being on TV, movies, and all of that, I never felt like this is is what you're supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. And although I only have like, 300-something subscribers, I felt like this is what I'm meant to do to actually bring change to people's lives and to societies that if they don't have anyone else who's telling them the truth, who's also smart enough and cares about them to give them unbiased information, then I can say that I I did it. I was true to that, even though it's you know scary and I don't really like being on podcast cameras i'm okay being on like you know television studios but i'm like i think that would be where i would We're have okay
1: to. with the makeup and the whole yeah. thing. And yeah <laughs>
0: there you know my, my beautician is there she does all yeah. my hair and makeup but if it's right. just me i'm like oh. i
1: put you in the chair and yeah, 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 yeah. That's cool. <laughs> so I,
0: I would have to say that and that was and that was after me having and i want to encourage people to let them know that i have five degrees mm-hmm. and i have done a lot of things with high profile people and yet I never felt fulfilled that that was what I was supposed to be doing. So don't look at people who are doing things on camera or supposed influencers, go after what you feel you are meant to do. Well, those were just a few of the interesting questions and topics that we discussed, and we did discuss a whole lot more and got a little bit more personal but if you want to you can listen to Raul's page on in the cut global i will include a link to his podcast in the youtube description and i thank you for listening and i'm very excited for you joining us for these politics and psychology summer series and i look forward to meeting with you every sunday this summer for these special episodes and i really do hope that you enjoy your summer